0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's the Score North Twin Show. Welcome to the Score North Twin Show. As always, all and Jake Pugh, uh, Twins. Jake played the doubleheader on um, Tuesday in St. Louis, winning game one and losing game two. And I I would say that... The primary talking point, although there's quite a few off the two games against Cardinals, i think a the primary talking point is the difference in starting pitching performances because there's a lot of good to talk about. Jose Barrios had a second really strong start. He tired in the sixth, but man, through five, he was great. And Randy Dobnik appeared to hit some regression in game two and lost control, which was sort of weird and odd and not a good thing. But let's start with Barrios. How much different after these last two starts? Do you feel about Barrios now? Because he seems to be pitching with a clear mind. And th- this goes back to his comment after, his, after he beat um, – who was it that he beat last week? Detroit or – no, Chicago. The White Sox. Yep. He beat Chicago. And he talked about something at home having been an issue, and it was almost as if he had put that behind him. And really, these last two starts to me seem to be Jose Barrios pitching with a completely clear mind.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. I don't know if, if, you know, whatever personal issue he had uh, has been resolved and that's the case, or if he's just uh, pitching better for another reason, doesn't really matter. Um, Obviously we hope that the personal issue has been resolved, but um, just from an on-field performance perspective, it doesn't really matter that, you know, all that matters is that he's pitching really well right now. He looked fantastic yesterday. You're right that he tired in the sixth uh, when he gave up the home run, but man, his fastball had bite you know, he was consistently at 94, 95, uh, the breaking ball looked great. This is the Barrios that can shut down, uh, playoff teams, opposing lineup, you know, really good offensive lineups in the playoffs. Um, if he keeps pitching like this, if, you know, he has what, three or four more starts maybe left this year. If, uh, let's say he has four more starts if three of them are like this, he's either pitching game one or game, probably game two for me. Um, because he looks like uh, the Barrios that we know when he's at his best. And, and when Barrios is at his best, he's one of the better pitchers in the league. Um, that was very impressive yesterday. And one note, you know, you said he tired in the sixth, and I totally agree. In the playoffs, you're probably not going to ask him to go more than five. Uh, so, you know, oh, yeah. unless he's really, really rolling. So I don't think fatigue will be a huge issue. Uh, you know, I still worry about how he'll perform, you know, on the big stage because he struggled a little bit with that. Uh, in the playoffs last year and in 2017, although he pitched okay in both of those. Um, so that remains to be seen, but very good signs. Very good signs from Jose Barrios.
0: Yeah, I've gone from being concerned, definitely concerned, to saying he, he might not be, uh, again, to go back to our long-time conversation about Barrios, he might not be a true ace. But the guy that we saw on Tuesday was damn good, and, and you're right. If he has another starter too two like that to follow this one, I'm getting closer and closer to saying, Kanto, you've done a great job, and you are for sure in our starting rotation in those first three games. But there will probably be a temptation if he has at least two more starts like that now consecutively. uh, There might be a temptation to go game one, for sure game two. But you do feel good. The the most important thing is, I think, as we have this conversation and the Twins in a weird schedule uh, quirk now because they played doubleheader for the Cardinals, say, because the Cardinals had to have some help. the Twins are off Wednesday, Thursday. I think as we have this conversation right now, compared to a couple weeks back, you feel really, really good about that first round um, and saying, okay, if nothing else, Maeda, let's say Pineda, Barrios, where before I was like, okay, and it's Barrios, and he's got to be handcuffed to Rich Hill, and I don't feel good about that. that conversation is becoming a lot less uh, concerning. So I do think, and if you're Baldelli and Falvey and the twins, you feel pretty doggone good right now about the prospect of throwing those three guys out for a potential three game series.
1: You definitely do. And, you know, as far as the debate about game one or game two, it really doesn't make any difference, right? I mean, game one versus game two, you're playing both of those games, no matter what. Um, really the, the debate is, is whether you want to start a guy in game two or hold him back to game three. So, you know, I think right now, Maeda and Barrios are my, are my one, two, you know, you know, put them in whichever order you want. And then Pineda's in game three, if you need him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you feel great when you combine those three uh, plus, Rich, you know, a couple of innings, hopefully good innings from Rich Hill. And then the back end of this bullpen, which has been outstanding. And Matt Whistler is now joining that, you know, that group as um, a really elite reliever. Uh, and then you potentially have got Odorizzi in the mix. Uh, it, you're looking really good. You're, I mean, the pitching has been carrying them all year. You know, this is the – it's like a total opposite from 2019. The bats right. are maybe starting to wake up uh, a little bit, but it's really been the pitching all year. And uh, with Barrios now pitching well, I mean, you, you have to feel like you're one of the better uh, – have one of the better staffs in the American League uh, going into, into that three-game series.
0: Randy Dobnik. So the, the Twins got off to a pretty quick lead again in game two. Uh, he goes two and two-thirds, gives up um, two – Uh, What, two hits, gives up five runs, I believe. Is is that correct? Walks two, strikes out two, uh, hit a couple guys. What do you make of that start? Because here's the weird thing. He lost the strike zone completely for the most part, and he couldn't recover it and get it back. And I don't know if we just write this off as a sort of a weird, bad start for him or it becomes concerning. I guess it it's, uh, solidifies my opinion that, you know, in a three-game series, I'm not even tempted to start him. But I don't know what to make of that start. And, look, he has pitched great at times. But when he lost it on Tuesday in game two, he completely lost it. Like, he was they, – they could have taken him out a couple guys before they did. And I'm watching that game. I'm just thinking, wow, this is uh, this is at least semi concerning. How about that for fair?
1: Yeah. So I think he lost his release point, essentially. Uh, You know, we've, we've seen the last few starts fall behind a lot of hitters um, and walk a a lot more guys than he did last year at the beginning of this year. Uh, So I think this, this has been a little bit of a trend. Obviously it's never been to the level that we've seen yesterday, Um, but he has been falling behind a lot of guys and he's, beginning getting a ton of double plays, which you expect him to, because he's a ground ball pitcher. But that's sort of how he's been getting out of a lot of these jams. Um, man, yeah, yesterday, I think he just totally lost it. He just lost his release point, and and it was bad. I was surprised they didn't take him out earlier. You know, they, they, it seems like they let him let him stay in at least one hit or two long. I'm sure hoping that he would escape with a double play. But, um, I, you know, I think – Regression was coming for, for Dobnik because he was pitching at a level that was so elite. I mean, he was a legit Cy Young contender through the season's first month. So we knew regression was coming. This is concerning because you, you figured regression would come in the form of balls getting through, you know, the, you know ground balls getting through, uh, and maybe if, you know a few home runs. But you didn't think he would just totally lose command the way he did yesterday and the few starts leading up to this where he struggled with that. He's a guy that needs command. I mean, because he's not a strikeout pitcher. Right. You've got to have command of that that sinking fastball to be effective. Um, I I have confidence that he'll regain it because for most of his time in the big leagues, we've seen him be a really good pitcher. Um, I would not start him in any of those three games for sure. But I still think the sample size is large enough on him now that you have to assume yesterday was an aberration. Uh, And then he's still a a pretty good pitcher. Um, He's probably a number five. You know, he's probably a number five starter uh, and a good number five starter. But he certainly has to regain command uh, if he's going to be pitching the playoffs. If this continues on, you know, the next few starts, then he, he probably can't even be on the roster. But we've seen enough from him to think that he can be effective when he's on. And if you bring him into the playoffs, if he does recover this season, you bring him into the playoffs and, you, and he, you find that he's falling behind, guys, you yank him very quickly. I mean, the leash is very, very short. So I still sure. think he could be on the staff. But yesterday was, was bad. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it.
0: All right. I've got a question for you based off of something that transpired in game one. And when it comes to Rocco, I'm just sort of flat out confused by the strategy here. So a couple of days ago, i playing the Tigers at target field. Rooker started in right field and he got on base, and in the fifth inning of that game, Rocco Pinch ran Jake Cave for him, not because Rooker was hurt, but because Cave has superior speed, and more importantly, for defensive purposes, starting in the top of the sixth, okay? So that's a a move that you could debate was made too quickly, but it just shows the level of concern, and probably the premium, rightfully so, after we all complained last year about what Rocco perceives as making his team defensively strong as possible. And I do think in that area, they are much improved from 2019. But the question I've got for you is, is and this is not a going to be a playoff problem. It's not a season-long problem. And in fact, with, with 15 games left, it's just a slam dunk move. I understand that Ryan Jeffers, as long as Garver is out and Avila is out, can't catch every single game. And your backup catcher, by your choice, is Astadilla. But explain to me why on earth Astadia catches the final two innings, and that could be the eighth and ninth or sixth and seventh. Um, It catches the final two innings of any game in which he plays when Jeffers is young, Jeffers is defensively superior, and Astadia is a catching train wreck. Like there's something is waiting to go wrong, and the longer he plays, the more the probability probably grows that something is going wrong to go wrong. I'll I'll give you the Barrios ground ball uh, with Goldschmidt on first. That should have been a double play, but Goldschmidt was on second because of a pass ball. And then the wild pitch that scored Paul Goldschmidt from third was a ball that Ryan Jeffers and Garver, for instance, 1,000% stopped. They get in front of it and stop it. Am I missing something here in wondering why Baldelli would leave Ostadillo in games to catch once you get to about the eighth?
1: So we have to assume that Jeffers is healthy, but I, did you see the interaction he had with Doogie on Twitter?
0: No. Jeffers. So, and Jeffers played game two, so he was healthy.
1: Yeah. So Doogie, Doogie wrote on Twitter that Jeffers was, was, quote, unquote, sore, I believe is the term that he used. This was a couple of days ago. And Jeffers replied to the tweet and said, I am? Question mark? Uh, <laughs> no, <know> I didn't see <laughs> that. Which is great. And Good Doogie, for Jeffers. He's funny. I know. And Doogie replied to him and said something like, a Twins official told me that you were a little dinged up. Catcher. Yeah. yeah, I, I'm, I'm butchering the, the language a little bit, but you can go back on Twitter and look at it. It was pretty great. Um, okay,
0: good.
1: I think they're all about uh, rest and recovery. And with catchers, you know, you, you do have to be careful with them. Uh, and so they, they, they're erring on the side of giving Jeffers a full day off, you know, and, and keeping us to deal in there. Personally, I think I agree with you. I think in a close game at least in a close game you bring Jeffers in defensively for the eighth and ninth. Um if 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 he's available, if he's if he's healthy. And and I you know, yeah. he's playing, so gotta think he's relatively healthy. Um so yeah, I I agree because Assetio is bad defensively, man. I mean he's just he's bad. He's a bad defensive catcher. Uh and you, you, I, there have been so many pass balls and wild pitches that are technically wild pitches that a good catcher would have stopped. Uh, you reference a couple of them. I would see what Tomas Delis can do. I get that you have to make a 40 man move for him. Um, but I think he, he's gotta be a better defensive catcher than, than Astadio. And if you're not going to move Astadio around and play him, you know, at other positions, then what's really his value. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a decent hitting catcher, but the D, de- the defense is, is just it's so bad.
0: It's so and bad. I don't, I don't um, mean to rip him because I, I know that uh, teammates like him. But I'm just saying, if you're going to take out Rooker from right field in the fifth, that's right field. And hey, look, I appreciate that. And Jeffers, one, he's young. Okay, so it's not like it. And two, it's September in a sixty-game season for which he has not been here the entire time. And three. He is not one of your top two catchers right now. So like the ability to put him in, in the eighth and say, okay, you're going to catch the eighth and ninth of this game and the entire second game, which by the way, again, is a seven inning game. All to me adds up to just common sense and he's young. Okay. So he's sore. He's a catcher. He should be sore, but guess what he's going to do. He's going to block the ball. Or I think he's going to block the ball. So
1: The counterpoint to that, I'm not saying I uh-huh. 3 but the counterpoint to that is you have, a what, a five-game lead on the on the number eight seed, you know, for the playoffs. They're just trying to coast in, right? These aren't must-win games right now, and so why push it, right? I but think then that's, why make
0: the Rooker move?
1: Well, because with Rooker, it's a good point, but I think there's a big difference between playing right field and, and playing catcher. I, I think catchers need significantly more time off, even if they're young. Than a right fielder, and let's be honest, Rooker, uh, his bat plays, man, but the defense, oh, God, is, yeah. but the defense yeah. is, is not good.
0: But you were off two days. Well, like that's the thing that I keep coming back to. You've got Wednesday. Uh, Jefferson has Wednesday and Thursday to basically play video games or lounge around or take a lot of hot baths. So I just thought that's weird because. I appreciate the fact that it seems like Baldelli is embracing defense a lot more. And Astadia, to your point, behind the plate, he's serviceable in a pinch when you absolutely have to do it, but it's not good. And can we eliminate, too, the snap throw to first base? I know it's cute and funny, but that's got disaster written all over it. That ball is going to be flying down the right field line.
1: I honestly think the reason he does that is because of that spring training game a couple years ago where he it did a snow, look, throw, and it, like, got on Sports Center top ten or whatever, and he got a bunch of attention for it. I bet that's, I, I bet that's a big <laughs> reason why he continues to do it. But, look, he's not going to – if he's catching innings defensively in the playoffs, then things have gone really, really wrong. Oh, great. So, so, you know, I don't think it's a huge issue. But I agree with you. If Jeffers is healthy, he should come – and it's a close game, he should come in and catch the last couple innings.
0: When when Kepler comes back and is in the right field, do you spot Rooker in for either him or Rosario more frequently? And I'm not saying that you bench either one, but if if you're going up against the southpaw and Kepler in 2000 in the small sample size, I should say of 2020 so far against lefties has been bad, and Rosario, you don't know where the hell his head is. Do you start to at least try and get Rooker at bats in right or left field in place of one of those two guys occasionally? Because you're right, that bat plays, and I like his approach at the plate.
1: Yes, I definitely do, especially against lefties. Now, Rooker has reverse splits, which is interesting um, in the minors. He actually hits righties better than lefties. But the fact that Kepler and Rosario, uh, especially Kepler this year, has been really bad against lefties I right. put Rooker in there um, against setting left-handed starting pitcher uh, and then you can you can replace him in the fifth you know if you knock that starter out and right handed relievers are coming in then you make the switch and you bring in Kepler Rosario but I think like we said the bat plays and we need to see the twins need to see what Rooker can give you at the major league level because they have to make a decision on him you know I mean they have so many corner outfield prospects between Rooker and Kirilov and Larnick. Um, they're gonna have to make decisions on some of these guys. And so I think both because it gives you an advantage against lefties and because we just need to see what Rooker can do in the big leagues, I would play him against lefties. I don't know if I do it in the playoffs, although I would consider it. Um but yeah, absolutely. I mean, and he's looked good so far. The defense is is not good. Uh but the the bat <laughs> he's I mean, he's just his range is just very limited um defensively. But uh but the bat plays, man, and we knew it would play. I mean, that, that they drafted him in the first round strictly because of his bat. You know, one possibility is that he's the DH next year. You know, if Nelson Cruz yeah. Rook
0: leaves, Rooker could be your everyday DH. Absolutely, yeah. No, he he is. I, I like his approach, and, and the thing too is, you know, once again in the Twins' world, as as you said, Jake, rest and recovery is a huge deal, right? So I would. I would go to Rosario and our Kepler and it's not a benching, it's not a punishment. I mean, if anybody deserves to be punished occasionally, it is Eddie. But they clearly don't like to say that and I don't I think their thought is that Rosario sort of rebels against that, but you could make a very good case that hey, a lot of guys get days off here. It's no slight, but this guy can play. Um I did notice so so he didn't play in game two yesterday with two days off, and it's not Buxton. Uh, Polanco. Polanco didn't play on sun, on Monday, and he didn't play in game two on Tuesday. I would keep an eye on that because that, to me, says that there's something going on there, and it's probably not a big deal. But I am curious because when, when he didn't play on Monday – Jake, I thought the whole thing was to play him in the back-to-back games, short games, on Tuesday. And he, and he sat out game two. Adrianza started a shortstop. So I'm curious if there's something uh, that he's tweaked or something going on with him. Because that was the one. The Buxton one didn't surprise me a bit. The Polanco one did a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. They're just giving him a day, a couple of days off. But if there's an issue, if he's tweaked something, that's a major concern. I tweeted this a couple of days ago, you know, I thought Polanco was the MVP last year. And I think you could make a, a case that he's their most valuable player again this year. We talk about him less frequently uh, than just about every player on the, uh, every relevant player on the team. And that's a testament to him. He's in the lineup every day. He's incredibly consistent with the bat and he plays a serviceable, not great, but a serviceable shortstop. That mm-hmm. combination of playing adequate defense at short, and being a, a a good bat and durability, that makes you so valuable, you know. And I get that WAR doesn't reflect that this year. His WAR was was really strong last year, not this year, but it, it's a tiny sample. I just think he's critical to their success. And so, yeah, if he if they're if he's dealing with some sort of lingering issue, um, then you give him all the days off he needs uh, until the playoffs. Um, and it's going to be this dance that we saw last year where they're giving guys off but still trying to get them in enough to have at-bats and have reps, you know, heading into the postseason. Um, but that's a concern. Of course that's a concern. Now, I will say this. Two days ago we were sounding the alarms about Nelson Cruz. <laughs> he came back, played both games with a doubleheader, and hit two home runs. So uh, it could be nothing, but it could, it could be
0: something. We don't know. Oh, it's quite clear that there are two guys on this team at least who tell Rocco if they're going to play or not, right? Cruz and Donaldson. Yes. Donaldson played both games. There is no way on God's green earth that Baldelli thought, I'm going to play in both games. I think we're talking about, and it might be just two guys, but I think those two in particular tell Rocco, I'm playing. And Rocco probably says, really, I, I don't know about this. You know, Nelly, we can DH somebody else in game two. And he says, I'm playing. Or Donaldson, same thing. It's an interesting dynamic because my guess is it's a very, very small list of players who tell Rocco what they're going to do. But it really seems like those two must because Donaldson and Buxton, and Buxton did, both would have sat in game two, I think, in Rocco's world. And I think JD said, I've sat enough. I need the at-bats. I'm playing.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I picture Rocco uh, very reluctantly writing in Josh Donaldson in the lineup uh, <laughs> in that second game. I Yeah, I, I think he's earned that right. You know, he's going to play when he wants to play. Same with Cruz, like you said. And Donaldson looks good. I mean, that three-run home run basically won him the game in game one. He's taking good at bats. He doesn't look anything like he looked in that first week. Um, and so, you know, by getting back a healthy Donaldson in Buxton, those are maybe, along with Polanco, your two most important players on the team, given the, the positions they play, how well they play it defensively yeah. and their offense. Yeah, you're right. That's not adding just, you know, two random starters. That's adding two of your absolute best players. Uh, and it's made a huge difference. Both those guys have won them games, you know. Donaldson won it with the three-run home run, essentially. Buxton had the walk-off infield single and is hitting for power. I mean, those two guys change the whole dynamic of the team, offensively and defensively. Bullpen-wise,
0: what's your concern about Trevor May? Um, he, he, go, he goes through these really weird, hard-to-predict periods that seem to last like four or five games. Um, the weird thing to me with May is every time I think, you know, he's just found it now, he hits a skid like this, and you're like, oh, boy, this ain't good. He His fastball, is he can't spot it. There's a lot of stuff left up way too high. Uh, But then he seems to bounce back too. All that being said, like yesterday was a continuation of of one of these skids that I guess you just have to hope doesn't happen in the playoffs. Because if it does, it could be trouble. Because he is important, you know. He's not a guy that that you could just be done with. Um, But it's been a weird four or five games appearances for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of – hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, this is just who he is um, and you just have to hope he doesn't happen in the playoffs. You can't not pitch him in the playoffs because like you said, he's too important. And when he's on, he's a dominating reliever with that upper nineties fastball and he can locate it well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's been a struggle for him. You know, th- this is what separates the truly elite, you know, Josh haters of the world the all Chapman's, you know, fill in the blank from good, but not great relievers, you know, that they don't, those guys don't really go through many of these stretches. May does. You know, at his best, he is in that upper echelon, that upper tier of dominant relievers, but he has these periods where he loses command. Sometimes the pitch selection is a, is a bit strange. You know, if you remember last year, he hung that like 0-2 breaking ball to Carlos Santana in a key game against Cleveland. He did that a couple of times last year. Um, so he goes through these phases, and yeah, you just have to hope that he works through it. Uh, and that he's uh, pitching his A game in the playoffs, but you have to pitch him no matter what. Unless there's just a total meltdown in the last 15 games, you have to give him innings in the playoffs. And just mm-hmm. you pray, you know, you just pray with all of these relievers that that they have their good stuff. I'm a little more worried about Duffy, only because his velo's been a little bit down. Uh, he's more pitching in the 92, 93 range instead of 95, 96 like we saw him, I think, at the beginning of last year, uh, of this year, and definitely yep. last year. Um, yep. I wonder if there's a little bit of fatigue going on with him. They need
0: him because he's their absolute best reliever. Let's connect the dots on Duffy because that, that's a good topic to bring up. You remember the stretch where we got concerned because he didn't pitch and it seemed very odd, even for Rocco not to pitch him? Yes. Something's up. Something's up there. And, and it could be fatigue, although it would be really quick for fatigue to kick in. Um, but I think going back to that stretch where he was just MIA, including in one game where it didn't make a lot of sense, uh, I think that there's something going back to that stretch that is still impacting him now. Because he doesn't look like the dominant – I mean, he came out of the gate this year dominant. He looked absolutely fantastic. And then he just sort of disappeared for – was that three or four games? It, it was a substantial period of time for a bullpen arm. Yeah, and, and he came back after that. and He doesn't look terrible. He doesn't look awful, but he doesn't look the same. I think there's something probably directly related to that stretch that's still impacting him.
1: Yeah, well, listen, we've seen so many pitchers go down with arm issues. I think the Rays, the Rays are the most amazing organization in the league. They lose everybody, they trade away everybody, and they always are making the playoffs. They're in first place, but they've had, I think, like 10 pitchers go on the yeah. I.L., something ridiculous. Yep. Uh, and it's because of the short ramp-up. You know, these guys started ramping up in March, got shut down for three and a half months, and then had three weeks to ramp up back up and it's clearly not enough for the pitchers because injuries are just way up across the league and so i i wonder if maybe he's dealing with some arse, arm soreness or uh shoulder issues this is total speculation yeah like i don't have any inside info sure. on that. but um but it's true he hasn't looked quite as elite and dominant as he did at the beginning of the year i don't know if resting him is going to help i don't know what the solution is maybe he just has to fight through it um but he, I, he's another one of those guys, like, if you're going to make a run in the playoffs, he has to be the Tyler Duffy of, you know, July and the first part of August, um, not the Tyler Duffy we've seen in the last couple of outings,
0: which is good, but not great. Last question. And, and I've asked Mackie this question, I've asked Royce, and I will ask you, what is your theory on why baseball, besides just being baseball, what is your theory on why they didn't just seed each league's eight playoff teams by record? The Twins right now are the first wild card, but they're one of the best teams in the American League, and instead it goes the three first-place teams, the three second-place teams, and then they go get the third place, the two best third-place teams, or the two best teams besides those clubs. Why on earth wouldn't you, in this weird year where it's just sort of all going to be mishmash together, and you really can't control playoff matchups, why wouldn't you have just said, you are what your record is, and we're taking the top eight? Why are we doing it this way?
1: That's what the NBA does now, right? It's just top eight. Like, the divisions don't mean anything, I believe.
0: I believe that is correct. Hockey takes – hockey is different. Hockey takes the top – what do they take? They take the top uh, amount from each – I think the top three from each division and then go with a wild card. But I just don't get, like, as a one-year experimentation, I guess, by baseball, why you wouldn't have just said the eight best teams are going to – get in and they're going to be seeded by their record it makes no sense to me that the twins are the first wild card
1: yeah no i agree i, I think i would reward division winners because i think you're basically sure. just playing the teams in your division and then the 20 interleague games and so i think if you beat you know all of these teams in your division and you win that division you deserve to be a high seed okay so the whole for the seating of four through six to the second place teams yeah. that to me makes no sense like Give the top three seats to the division winners and then go four through eight just based on record. Like the whole second place thing is dumb. Um, so I agree with you. I, I mean, I don't think that makes sense. I think but what makes me even more upset about this, honestly, is the total lack of incentive to win your division. There's no incentive to win your division. In fact, if the Yankees end up being the seven or eight seed and it sure is looking like that right now and they get Stanton and Judge back, you know a week before the playoffs the one seed might be the might be the most difficult matchup because you're playing a, the a, an 8 seed Yankees team that starts Garrett Cole in game 1 and has all these sluggers back like you got you have to give some incentive to the top teams whether it's a bye or whether it's making the series a three game series but the lower seeded team has to win twice uh, you know and the upper seeded team only has to win once right um, right you see that sometimes in, in um, amateur ball or in college ball, like some sort of incentive for the top teams, because otherwise if you're the twins, right? Like you might, you'd probably rather play the Rays or the A's as the seven or eight seed than play uh, New York. If you end up being the one seed, you know, Or, 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 you know, like, I don't think there's any incentive for them to win. There might be incentive for them to lose late in the season. So, like, yeah, you're you're
0: not wrong. Yeah. So I just it's like, but I, I, I just don't get why you wouldn't have. And I'm fine with your idea. All right, take the three teams that win their division, give them the top seeds, and they're good. They're, they're good teams. That's fine. But then this whole thing of um, East two, Central two, West two, and then one It's like really. You had to make it this complicated and convoluted in a one-off, which is, you know, I mean, this is – I don't know what they're going to do going forward, but this was, this was the easiest formula just to say, let's keep it as simple as possible. And in a typical baseball fashion, they're like, oh, no, let's not. Yeah, well, it's just confusing.
1: The Astros are going to end up being probably the second-place team in the West, and I think they're one game over five hundred right now, you know? So, like, yeah, I know. if the Twins end up as a seven seed and end up, you know, nine or ten games over five hundred like yeah it it makes no sense that the Astros would be seated higher um but I just yeah you you, like to give no incentive to winning the division is just so dumb I mean a lot of these times they have yeah well that's it's just Rob Manchin well yep exactly but they just have no incentive especially this, this last week of the season they're gonna have no incentive um you know, to play for anything in these, in these, once these last two games come in a couple of weeks. So wait till um,
0: you see, wait till you see who the Twins stick out out there when oh, they really don't care. Oh man, they'll be going plucking everyone available that they can from St. Paul that they that uh, that currently might be on the uh, forty men.
1: Oh, absolutely. Those yeah, lineups are
0: going to be glorious. Adrianza will be at first. Yep. Um, who else will be? Well, who will Sean... be at second?
1: Sean Poppin will be starting games. You, yep. know, uh, uh, you know, maybe they'll call up somebody like Corey Geer and add him back to the 40-man. And then
0: you know what you do? Then you catch Ostadia for all nine innings. Yes,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Right. Final I thoughts? Uh, well, you know, they needed a – I thought they just needed a split in St. Louis and they got it. Uh, they get a couple days off. They've played more games than anybody else in baseball. I think two more games than anybody else in baseball. Um, So they get some off days here now, which, which will help them. Um, And at this point it would take a total disaster, a long like a 10 game losing streak for them not to make the playoffs. So now it's, it's really about kind of coasting in winning enough that, that you feel comfortable um, and hopefully getting Kepler back and maybe Garver Garver I saw was swinging um, was taking, I think BP and was going to catch a bullpen session. So maybe they get him back. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically going to be cruise control in the last 15 games as long as you don't go on a big losing streak. Um, I'd still like to see them call up a big prospect, uh, whether that's Jahan Duran. Jordan Balazovic, by the way, is in camp now.
0: I, I saw guess. that they brought, brought him in. That was uh, in- intriguing because I didn't know that, that you could bring guys into that camp after you had started, which obviously
1: you can, and it's probably just to get eyes on him, but I do wonder if they're thinking that he could be like a Bruce Gratterall from last year where they brought him up very late, uh, you know, and, and he made an impact. I, it's possible. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible.
0: Why wasn't he from, there from day one, do you think?
1: I, that totally baffled me. I don't know if there was some injury that they didn't report or some other issue, but why <laughs> Balazovic, the, arguably the top pitching prospect in the organization, wasn't in St. Paul made no sense to me. It was weird.
0: All right, we're done. Um, Score North Twins podcast. We ordinarily tape these on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We'll be going back to that next week. Uh, Twins have a couple days off, though, so we decided to uh, talk about the doubleheader in St. Louis back in action on Friday against Cleveland. He is Jake. I'm Jed. We'll talk to you soon.